0: Okay. I mean, you're allowed to cl- cl- clap after the anthem. You're allowed to clap after the sermon. You know, you just, you know, just, I'll leave room for applause breaks, you know. We are so thankful for our choir and the hard work they put into it. Tim, our musicians, uh, we're just so blessed here at our church. Our gospel lesson this morning is going to come from Matthew's gospel, beginning from Matthew chapter 14. Verses 13 through 21, and I invite you to stand as you are able in body or in spirit for the reading of the gospel lesson. Now, when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion for them and cured their sick. When it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, this is a deserted place. And the hour is now late. Send the crowds away, so they may go into the villages and buy food for themselves. Jesus said to them, They need not go away. You give them something to eat. They replied, We have had nothing here but five loaves and two fish. And he said to them, Bring them here to me. So he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass. Taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven. And blessed them, and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the crowds. And they ate and were filled. They took what was left over from the broken pieces, 12 baskets full. And those who ate were about 5,000 men besides the women and the children. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Now, I don't know if it started here or not. But we Christians, we love to eat. We are a eating religion. We are all about food. And I guess it doesn't start there. It's all throughout scripture. People love to eat. In fact, think about this. On the night when the Lord was betrayed, he gathered disciples together. And what did he leave them as he went to the cross? A meal. One of the very last things Jesus gave the disciples was a meal. We are a eating people, particularly those of us who are Methodist. Now, my Baptist friends would say they like to eat as much as we do. I don't know. We like to eat. We grieve with a casserole. I guess one of the things that was so hard about COVID was the fact that we couldn't grieve properly. We couldn't eat. We couldn't eat together. I, I love to eat because eating isn't just the food. As good as the food is, it's the fellowship. I, that's what I love about Wednesday Night Live. I love us all coming together to eat, but I love the walking around and the talking and the visiting. I, I love, I love that there's something holy and, and good about that. And We see that here, but we see it all throughout Scripture. It's part of what we do as Christians is that we eat together. Uh, there's an old joke. You know you're called to preach if you wake up at 2 o'clock in the morning and you crave fried chicken. You know, the Lord's to put a call on your life. So we see this, this story here that you're familiar with. This is not the first time you've heard this text, is it? This is not the first time you will hear a sermon on this text, is it? No, you've heard this a million times. During this series we're in right now calling Sunday School Stories, we're going to take some of these common stories that you've heard so many times and try to dig a little deeper. See what's really going on there. See what we can learn from it. Kind of unpack these Sunday school stories that we're so familiar with. Last week, we talked about Joseph and the coat of many colors. This week, we're looking at the feeding of the 5,000. Next week, I'm going to be in intersection, and Beth will be preaching in here, and we're going to unpack David and Goliath. We're looking at these common stories of our faith and what they teach us. So today, the feeding of the 5,000. Now, here's the thing, y'all. If we're going to understand the Bible, this is, this is one of the things that is so important to me. You're going to hear me beat this horse again and again and again and again and again. The key to understanding Scripture is context. You have to always understand the context of what's happening in Scripture to really understand it and to go a little deeper. No verse of the Bible stands on its own two feet, but it stands along with the rest of Scripture. To understand what's happening in a verse, you wanna look at the context of the passage. And frankly, to understand what's happening with the passage, you wanna look at the broader context of what's happening in the book. You always wanna take out a little bit more. Look deeper at what's happening, look all around it. Context is always key for scripture. So, with the passage today, the feeding of the 5,000, the first thing we wanna to do to fully understand what's happening is to look at the greater context. So let's look at all of Matthew 14. What we see, if we'd have gone back to Matthew 14, verse 1, verse 1 through 12, you know what we see? We see, if you, my Bible, my Bible, uh, I'm reading from the NRSV uh, translation. We talked a little bit about that last week. I'm reading from that translation. My Bible gives each section titles. And the title that my section has For the one above the feeding of the 5,000 is entitled the death of John the Baptist. But that's not the totality of what's happening there. If you remember the, the death of John the Baptist, you know what you really see there? You see another meal. You see Herod's feast. What we see in Matthew 14 is we see a contrast of two different feasts. First context is is Herod's Feast. And what do we see at Herod's Feast? Herod's Feast is a feast of gluttony and of abundance and of lust and of pride and of power. That's what Herod's Feast is. And in fact, Herod's Feast is a little bit more than that. If you remember, the reason why John the Baptist is beheaded at Herod's Feast is you may remember the context in that story Herod has his, 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 the, the, the daughter of his wife come out and dance for him. And apparently it's a very, a, a very sensual dance. And after it's over, he says to her, you did great. In fact, I will give you whatever you ask, up to half of my kingdom. So she goes to her mama and says, what should I ask for? Well, her mama wasn't a fan of John the Baptist. So her mama says, ask for the head of John the Baptist on a platter. And Herod didn't want to do that. He didn't want to do that. Herod's feast was a feast of pride. Because if he had had the humility to say, oh, I messed up. I should not have done that. John would not have lost his head. But Herod's pride would not let him do that, would it? He had all these people here. He'd always made a prom- he made this promise. And if he had backed down from it, he'd have been embarrassed. Herod's feast is a feast of pride and of arrogance. And y'all, you know, how many times in our life have we feasted there? How many times has our pride ruptured a relationship? Or gotten us in trouble. And if we had just had the humility, the humbleness to see the error of our ways. Or the humbleness to say perhaps the hardest words in the English language, I'm sorry. Think of the pain that could have been spared. We see with Herod's feast a feast of pride. And of arrogance. Now let's contrast that with Jesus' feast. What do we see there? We see in Jesus' feast, Jesus' teaching and the people coming from all around. And what do we see that the Scripture says Jesus does? It says he cured their sick. We see they don't even have enough food to eat. So we see in Jesus' feast, and what does Jesus do? He kind of fixes it. So if Herod's feast is a feast of arrogance, and of gluttony, and of pride. In Jesus' feast, we see a feast of humility and of service. Herod's feast, he existed to be served. Jesus' feast, he existed to serve others. Which table do we find ourselves at, friends? Which table do we desire to sit at? If we're going to be honest, which table do we want to sit at? Do we want to sit at the table where we get served and we get what we want? Or do we want to sit at the table where we serve others and we live for a higher purpose? Matthew is contrasting these two feasts back to back. It's not by accident. These two stories are back to back. Herod's feast, pride, power, Jesus' feast, humility, service. I make you a promise, friends. I can give you an easy path to make your life completely miserable. Live only for yourself. Live only for what you want, your desires, your stuff. Live for you and you alone. Sit at Herod's table You may get it, but you'll be miserable. Herod's table looks appealing, but it is not the table of life. We exist to serve others, not to be served. So we see that contrast. Then when we look a little deeper into the story of the feeding of the 5,000, it's interesting uh, my, my, my old friend and mentor, who many of you knew, Sam Morris, he used to always talk about how there's nothing in Scripture that's there by accident, and there are things in Scripture that we're called to pay attention to. We see in this feast story, like Kate's children's moment, there wasn't enough food to go around, was there? On the surface, there wasn't enough food to go around. But let's look a little bit deeper. How many loaves were there? You love to talk back. How many? Five. How many fish were there? What's that? Is five plus two equal? Trick you into math, first off. Look at that. You're learning something. I learned spit and span. It's not a real thing. You learn how to add. We're, just, it, we're all learning stuff. How many days of creation were there? That's right. Seven is the perfect number in Scripture. Looks like they didn't have enough. Yet we see seven elements of food. What is God showing us there? That there's always enough. In God's power, in God's world, in God's economy, there is always enough. We may feel like there's not enough. We can't do this. There's no way. There's no way. But for God, there's always enough. God always makes a way. God always provides. God always takes care. There was all the food that they needed right there in front of them, even if they didn't realize it, even if it didn't look like it. They had in that moment with the five loaves and two fish for God all that they needed. That's all they needed. They had. It didn't look look like it. They didn't even think it. They didn't even believe it. But for God, they had all they needed in that moment. God provided for them what they needed, even if they didn't realize it. Then, after the meal, they had 12 baskets full. How many sons of Israel and tribes of Israel were there? Twelve. How many apostles were there 12 the fullness of God's plan and God's power through the old covenant of the 12 tribes of Israel the fullness of God's plan and God's energy through the 12 apostles and the church and through the new covenant God was at work in both of these God is showing us that not only was there enough but that he's always at work the five loaves and two fish show us that God is always making a way. The twelve baskets shows us that God is always at work. And God will always take care of his children and of his people. This shows us that he is always working for our good and to fulfill his plan. It's by no act. It's not a mere coincidence that there were seven food elements. It's not a mere coincidence that there were 12 baskets. That is God telling us, I have this. Trust in me. There is more than enough. And I am always at work. Always. We may not feel like we can do it or there's enough, but God is screaming, there's enough. I will make a way. Trust but then we see something that may be even more significant to that. When the disciples are going to send them away, the, the, the this text says, he tells them, you get them something to eat. If you were to look at the Greek of this passage, the word you, the, the best equivalent I can give you in English is that it's written in all caps. That's the only, like Jesus like, no, you do it. You do it. God could have done a million ways to do this miracle, but yet he chose to use these disciples. You do it. The miracle is not just that God worked in this, that the miracle was the availability of the disciples to be used. God does not use the perfect, No, else he wouldn't use any of us. He used those who were willing to be used. The disciples may have thought this path, that this task was impossible. They may not have believed, they may have felt overwhelmed, but they were still willing to step up and do it. They were faithful, they obeyed, and God said, You do it. And they did it. And we see with the loaves and the fishes that God was working. Theirs was not the miracle to perform. Theirs was the faithfulness that was required. God takes our ordinary faithfulness, our ordinary faithfulness of five loaves and two fishes, and God does extraordinary things. He takes the ordinary and makes them them extraordinary. But first, we have to be willing to be used. There's an old saying in coaching that I've heard, you know, players have ability, you know, the ability to do this or ability to do that. There's no saying, the best ability is availability. If a player can't stay healthy, and stay on the field. It doesn't matter how talented he is, he can't play. The best ability is availability. Same is true for God as well. Hmm. The best ability is not a great singing voice, our great preaching voice. are all the smarts in the world. The best ability is not youth or wisdom. The best ability is availability. Are you willing to be used? Are you willing to be used? Jesus told the disciples in all caps, you do it. And they did their part. And God blessed it. You may feel inadequate to teach Sunday school. Inadequate to teach a Wednesday night live class. You may feel like you can't possibly lead or serve. What can you do? You know what you can do? You can show up. The best ability is availability. You go get them something to eat. And what happened when they did that? God performed a miracle. We learn today which t- table will we sit at. Herod's table of indulgence and pride. Or Jesus' table of humility and service. In God's world, there's always enough and he will make a way. And for God, the best ability is availability. Today we see the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. We also see that all of us have a part to play in God's miraculous work. Let's be faithful. Let's give God the credit for all that he's going to do let's be faithful and do our part. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your desire to use us, your desire to help us to accomplish your mission. God, help us to be faithful in all things. We love you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I forgot one part that I needed to throw in for Tim's sake. Me and Tim have a running argument about Mary and Martha in, in the story of Jesus. You know, Mary's listening at Jesus' feet to, um, to Jesus' teaching, and Martha's in, in the kitchen making, making dinner. And all of us are lean towards Mary or Martha, all of us. And, and Mar- Martha goes to Jesus and says, Jesus, you know, help, tell her to help me. And Jesus says, she's chosen the better way. You know, she should, she should let her have what she's having. And that's beautiful. If you're a Martha and you're a worker and a doer, your worth doesn't come from what you've done. Your worth does not come from what you do for Jesus. Your worth comes from his grace. Marthas need to be like Jesus sometimes. I mean, like Mary sometimes and stop, listen to Jesus and find their worth in him above all else. But without Martha, there's no lunch, okay? And sometimes Mary needs to get up and help Martha in the kitchen. Sometimes Mary needs to get up and not just sit there and listen to Jesus, but go do something for Jesus too. So if you're a Martha, if you're a Mary, I'm sorry, if you're a Martha, stop sometimes and just listen to Jesus and find your worth in him. But if you're a Mary, get up sometimes and go help your sister in the kitchen. Because we're hungry. It's time to eat. So Martha's, slow down. You're going to burn out. Mary's, step up and help Martha in the service. But when we do both of those, we find the fullness in Christ Jesus. I wanted to to put my little plug in for Mary and Martha. as Me and Tim joke about that a lot. Just be Nehemiah and go ride your donkey and inspect the wall. Oh, we're back to Nehemiah and the wall. I still got my brick. All right. Well, as we draw our service to a close, no more sermons. I'm done. I don't think I have any more sermons. I think I got that last one out of me just now. I'll have one next week, but not for today. Um, but uh, as we draw our service to a close, our closing and invitational hymn this morning is going to be is going to be hymn number. Um, 156. I love to tell the story. We'll do verses 1, 2, and 4 of our closing and invitation. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, today is a great day to accept Jesus. If you'd like to learn more about joining our church, we'd love to tell you how. If you'd like to pray with us, just let us, just acknowledge us when you come forth, we'd love to pray with you. But this morning, as we close in our final hymn, the altar is open. Won't you come?